Yo and hello. Welcome back to Podcast Free Roscoe. I'm Sammy. And I'm Jody. And we're wondering. Do you remember Radio Free Roscoe? We do, and it's pretty great. We like it. We like it. That's the whole point. It would kind of be sad if we were doing this whole podcast and we didn't like it. No, not, I wouldn't want to hate podcast. I feel like it'd be some bad energy. <laughs> we're not here for Duncan. No. Only a little Duncan, but yeah. with love. Be great if there was a character named Duncan in the show. So today we're talking about season one, episode 15, Girl Talk Radio. Oh, this is such a good one. So this first aired December 5th, 2003. It was directed by David Wari Smith and written by Russell Cochran. This is another no special guest appearance episode, but we do get Ed and Ted back. We always love a good Ed and Ted episode. An Ed and a Ted even. Yeah. I don't think they ever show up without the other. I would hope not. No. What, what is an Ed without his Ted? <laughs> and what is the Ted without his Ed, for that matter? Oh, my goodness. It's against the laws of Roscoe. Do you think Ted Danson has an Ed Danson? Because I sure hope so. It becomes sort of like a trivia thing where any scene Ted Danson's in, you have to guess where Ed Danson is. Yeah, that's actually that whole plot line in The Good Place when there's um, the extra Michael suit. That's actually yeah. Ed Danson. Yeah, they don't tell you that. Like, you have to be, like, in the know. Yeah. Like, you have to understand the laws of Ed and Ted in order to understand that. The first step to changing the mind is getting its attention. Yeah, but we're just wasting our time. When the janitor sees that, he's going to tear it down because it doesn't have wall or seal of approval. So we open on the gang sneaking around a school hallway, uh, making sure they're not being watched so they can put up an RFR poster. A new which design. Is, yeah, a new design than any of the ones that we've seen before. I don't know who their graphic designer is. Ooh. Um, <laughs> but, tr- like... Ray says it's just going to get torn down because they don't have Waller's seal of approval. But Travis pulls out a little happy face stamp that's apparently an exact, like, dupe for it that he found at the stationery store. Which, like, I feel like anybody could pull that off if, yeah. like, your stamp is just a little smiley face. Yeah. They want something a little more specific. Like, something that says, you to principal, or you got that right, or... Or, like... Something Roscoe specific, at least, since he's so, like, school spirit. Lily mentions that she's going to be missing the show. She says, don't fall apart without me. And they're like, oh, as if we'd fall apart without you. And then we go to the broadcast where it's utter chaos. Cut to Ray once again playing with Lily's guitar. Just fucking around Knocking shit over. Seems like we actually do need Lily's feminine yin here to temper our masculine yang. What do you call him yang? (laughs) What does that mean? (laughs) Yang 2020. We... We, we get a couple of weird Ray lines just like in the first two minutes of this episode. So when they're first putting up the poster, Travis passes the stamp to Lily and says he thinks it needs a woman's touch. To which Ray says, I think I need a woman's touch. <laughs> which is like, that's a lot to get by the Family Channel centers. Yeah. <laughs> Big X, I mean, like, for it, like snappy dialogue, but like risque, risque. For, for the demographic. But then once they're in the the station, because Robbie and Ray are goofing around so much, Travis looks at them and it's like, well, I guess we do need Lily's feminine ying for our masculine yang. And Ray says, who are you calling yang? And I don't know what that's supposed to mean. <laughs> is, is that a racist joke? I don't know. <laughs> what does that mean? I honestly think it's just, it's just Ray teasing Travis. I don't know. So the show starts and they start doing kind of an, a call-in advice segment. And the first caller asks with a question for Shady because she wants like a, a girl's advice. And Ray tries to like goofily answer her question. Yeah, he does a really and, bad job. And Travis like sees this this weird opportunity and he pitches up his voice 
And he answers her call as like kind of a sassy, vaguely Southern woman. Sister, don't mind Pronto. Once again, his lips are moving, but his brain has taken the day off. Yeah. Like we finally see the fabled pitch control, which he's supposed to be using all the time. But yeah, he cranks it way up. So he sounds like this. I guess he's supposed to sound like a woman, but it just sounds very strange. It's just it's just very like uh, high pitched. Like obviously that's not a real person's voice kind of voice. Yeah. But he calls himself miscommunication, and he gives her advice and is sassy towards Ray and coins his catchphrase. I'm just telling it like it is. Okay. Yeah, I love how he just whipped that character right out of his pocket. Like yeah. I guess when you're a spy, you have to have like a cache of characters that you can switch into at a moment's notice. Do you think spies have to take improv classes? Oh man, probably. It's spin, thrust, spin, thrust. Not spin, spin, thrust. And a double rotation with intermittent thrusts is a physical impossibility. So Robbie hears music coming from a classroom nearby, looks in to realize it's Ed and Ted practicing a dance routine. Yes. It's a delight. I love what Ted's wearing in this scene. It's like a janitor's jumpsuit thing. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure he has a patch on it, and I think it says eat. <laughs> oh, no, no, it says E-N-T. It <gasps> says E-N-T, and it's oh. in quotes with a period, but oh it's my for gosh. Ed and Ted. This is their LLC. Aw. What, what a fun detail for the costumers to put into oh that. Oh, my God. Ted's always wearing, like, Ed is always in, like, a little, like, Shortly buttoned up in a sweater vest. Yes. But Ted's fashion is like. It's variable. Everywhere. It's changeable. I, I love how telling the, the budget of the show is when this classroom is used for every single classroom. Yes. And they make it into the music room either by putting 40 music stands in it or by tossing a euphonium into the back corner. Yes. This is just a normal classroom, but yeah. it's got a euphonium in it. Not in a case or anything. It's just hanging the out in the back. Acoustics. This room is not soundproofed. So Robbie finds out that Ed and Ted are rehearsing because in order to try to get girls as all of Ed and Ted's schemes go, they have decided to form a boy band. And Robbie secretly loves boy bands. He tries to pass it off that like he had a cousin he was was babysitting who was obsessed with them. But Robbie's like a big boy band fan. So he knows like exactly what they need to do. And we get our first introduction to a very like iconic Uh faux boy band song. You're so collectible, girl. Girl, when I'm at home and I'm all by myself, I look at your picture sitting up on the shelf. You make my knees weak. This is kind of like a trope of shows of that time where they would have like an episode with a fake boy band that would have like one really memorable song. Like I think that happened in like The Proud Family and like That's So Raven and kind of all of those shows. Kim Possible, uh, Senior, Senior, Junior had like a, a fake boy band song. And it's like <laughs> all of these like little songs that I can remember very clearly. That's While, great. While like never being like much of a traditional boy band fan, like I, my, my boy band frame of reference just becomes all of these like little <laughs> fake songs from yes. these TV shows. And this one's a great one, and it's very Ed and Ted because it's, it's so like Ed and it's Ted. comparing a girl to a Boba Fett figure in its original wrapping. <laughs> like it's very nerdy and good and fun. Ed and Ted try to beg Robbie to help them out because clearly he knows what he's doing. And we get this great like Ted. <laughs> Ted just kind of like squats and sticks out his hands like, "Please help." <laughs> yeah, and he makes like the most like 
weird like pursed lip kind of pained face while yeah like very bent at the hips (laughs) arms forward and ed just kind of puts his hand on like ted's shoulders and goes we're so alone (laughs) such a little sad little vignette so he'll help them but he's got to be super super secret what should i do ah fashion versus comfort it's woman's age-old dilemma actually shady i really wanted to know what missy has to say at the next rfr broadcast Lily is back at the station and they're taking advice again. And when they get uh, a caller specifically looking for kind of female advice, uh, Shady tries to chime in and she gets caught off by the caller saying, well, actually, I I was hoping I could hear from Missy. So Lily is kind of suddenly losing her place as the, the kind of female voice of the show to Travis kind of faking his way through this like advice column position. I also like during the broadcast, we get a shot of Ed and Ted again, sitting <laughs> in a classroom, listening to the show on like a incredibly large boom box. Yeah. Where, where do the they store of- that? Where do they store that boom box? That does not fit in a locker. I'm really glad that this is a returning part of Ed and Ted is that this giant boom box that they just listen to at school. <laughs> and they carry it around because we've seen them like listening to it on the steps. Yeah. So like, why, why do they have this massive boom box? Maybe maybe it's another, like, attract the women gambit. I don't know. They saw Say Anything, and they were like, boombox, yes. <laughs> I like that theory. That's great. <laughs> we're gearing towards a little Lily-Travis conflict as yeah. he starts to kind of impose on her role in the show. So we're in the cafeteria the next day, and Ray and Travis are going over notes for the show because Travis is really excited by, like, this new character, and he thinks they've got fun banter between them. <laughs> and we get, like, this, like, wild little bit of Ray dialogue. Maintain fun. Okay? You know what that means? No. Neither do I. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's there's filler dialogue, and then there's... there's we, we, we let these teenagers improv. Yeah. <laughs> but it's very fun. It's I, I did not notice that at all the, the first time I watched that through. Oh, what a jam. Oh, that's really fun and goofy. You know what that means? Neither do I. That's what I'm talking about. That that very much feels like um, like in the vein of doing a PowerPoint presentation where you don't know anything about the topic. <laughs> <laughs> so in the cafeteria... Lily suggests that they retire Missy um, kind of while she's at the top of her game and she's trying to not make it obvious that it's because she's she's not happy about her not being the, the female voice of RFR anymore. Ray and Travis are really excited about the bits that they can pull off. And you can see like Travis is finally getting an opportunity to like have banter and kind of like openly goof off with, with Ray without yeah. kind of the, the tension between them. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like, he's kind of seeing it as a bonding thing and and they're both having a good time. Oh, Trav. But we find out Robbie is not going to be at the show that afternoon. And while the gang doesn't know why, we know it's because he's helping Ed and Ted with their boy band. Um, They pretty quickly catch on that his knowledge doesn't come from his young cousin. It's because he himself is is a big boy band fan. So they try to get him to join the gang. He's not into it because he's not ready for people to know that about him. He is too embarrassed. He's running Ed and Ted through some moves and they're kind of struggling with it a bit, but they'll get there. So you say girls like a guy with worldly experience. Well, dude, that's me in a nutshell. Pronto, worldly experience is a little more involved than all you can eat taco night at the Casa Hut. At the Casa Hut? (laughs) The house house. (laughs) The house house. Our house in the, in the middle, middle of, of our, our house. house. We get a moment back in RFR where 
Lily kind of tries to encourage Travis to speak at Smog. She wants to get Smog's opinion on something. And Travis does. <laughs> you get this moment where Ray's like, oh, here we go. Uh, Travis has this very philosophical approach as Smog. He ends up, you know, doing his piece and he's talking about respect. And then he goes, he flips back into miscommunication and basically dunks on himself. And Ray's super into it. And Lily's just kind of, kind of disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially because the, the topic was about when do you know that you've been dissed? Mm. And it's kind of like both a moment of her feeling like she's being uh, kind of cut out from the show with this yeah. bit, but also is kind of recognizing what Travis is doing in that this is like allowing him to speak without the barrier of constantly getting insulted by Ray. Yeah. Aww. Looking for something special? Whatever's fresh and new. Oh, tired of your old stuff, huh? Post-show, Lily and Travis are in Mickey's discs, and Lily's trying to kind of like, kind of dive into this conversation by making kind of some thinly veiled comments as he flips through records. And she's like, oh, looking for something new or like bored of the old thing. And Travis says he just likes to change things up every once in a while. And they kind of get into it over this persona. Lily tells him that she thinks that this whole bit is dishonest and that he's smug and he should just be smug. But he's coming from the place of being actually heard for the first time and being able to like say how he really feels. And it's kind of odd because he's like, well, now that people think that I'm a woman, they're listening to me. And I'm I like, thought, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I, th I thought the same thing. I'm like, oh, boy, that's not how the world works. Mm. <laughs> yeah, all those uh, all those writer dudes back in the 800s uh used female pen names all the time so that people would actually read their stuff yeah that's that's how that happened yeah <laughs> yeah i definitely picked up on that as well i was <laughs> like oh <laughs> but we we have some some tension between uh, travis and lily as he tries to defend this by saying you know this is just a persona the same way that any of them are using their personas the same way she's using shady lane to kind of get her voice heard and he wants to continue doing it because he he feels like he's being heard for the first time. Yeah, it's it's kind of neat. We leave we leave our first half with a, a couple of our main characters kind of questioning their the persona they project to the world. You know, we've got Travis dealing with this identity stuff, and in our in our other plot, we've got Robbie. You know, convinced he has to hide this part of himself who loves boy bands in order to keep up his image. So that's the first half of our episode. <laughs> For our CanCon commercial break this week, I'm going to be talking about Brace Face. Something tells me I've been dreaming of someone who was never real. It seems so Brace Face aired from 2001 to 2004 on Teletoon. It was produced by Nelvana and Jade Animation. So it was a Canadian-American Chinese series with Jade Animation being the Chinese studio in the group. Oh, that's cool. It was founded in 1986 by Mr. Run Run Shaw. And its current CEO is Wallace Wong. The studio hasn't worked on any productions since 2009, but it does have some episode credits for American Dragon Jake Long and Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. It also worked on season five of Cyber Chase, and it was a co-producer again with Nelvana for George Shrinks. So additional work on the show was done by Studio B Productions. They're responsible for a lot of animated Canadian shows of the time, including What About Mimi, Yakety Yak, and Yvonne of the Yukon. 
um, which I'm sure we'll probably be talking about at some point. Oh, yes. They also have some commission works for some other series, um, including work on episodes of Angry Beavers, Beetlejuice, Cat Dog, Ned's Newt, Reboot, and a bunch of My Little Pony series. Excellent. So the show was created by Melissa Clark. She also worked on Roly Poly Oli and the Sweet Valley High TV series. Oh, sick. She's now an author. She's published three novels. She also has a podcast called Becoming Mother Nature. It's like um, a kind of tween fictional series. Uh, The synopsis of which is when Chloe is sent off to live with her mysterious and eccentric grandmother, she learns an unbelievable secret. Grandma Ivy is none other than Mother Nature herself. And Chloe Chloe is next in line to assume the power and responsibility of the job. Can a 12-year-old learn to balance the entire world's ecosystem while just trying to fit in at her new school? Only Mother Nature knows. Oh, God, I feel like that's like all the tweens of like today are feeling like, <laughs> how can I save the world from climate change and get a passing grade on my history test? Very relatable. Fuck. Oh, <laughs> uh, the world's on fire. How about yours? Um, <laughs> but you can find out more about her work on MelissaClarkWrites.com. She has a coaching section on her website if you want to book a consultation with her and uh, learn more about writing. So you could get Reiki from Scott Yaffe and writing advice from Melissa Clark. I'm digging it. What more do you want? (laughs) So the show is produced by Michael Hirsch. And this sent me on like a wild deep dive into some Canadian media connections. A wild Hirsch chase. When we first started this bit, we had talked about how incestuous the Canadian media scene is. And like, there's a lot just that you could look at from Michael Hirsch. So he was incredibly influential on Canadian media, particularly Canadian kids media. He was a Belgian-born Canadian producer, and he worked on a ton of shows, including Franklin, Roly Polioli, Arthur, Caillou, and my favorite show, Clone High. Ah. Hell yeah. What else do you want? (laughs) So in 1971, Hirsch co-founded Nelvana with Patrick <gasps> Lubert and Clive A. Smith. So he's one of the reasons that we have like most of the Canadian animated shows that we have. Wow. Um, those three are also responsible for Rock and Rule, the 1983 Canadian animated musical science fiction fantasy film. <laughs> what? So it's it's this like Canadian musical. I think it was the first movie that was produced by Nelvana. And it's like this wild cult classic movie. It centers upon kind of rock and roll music. And it has songs by Cheap Trick, Chris Stein and Debbie Harry of Blondie, Lou Reed, Iggy Pop, and Earth, Wind & Fire. That's like, insane. I need to watch this movie. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's like a major like cult favorite movie now. Um, um, so he also contributed to the foundation of Teletoon. Sick. Big influence. So he um, eventually sold Nelvana to Chorus another big Canadian group, and he founded the Cookie Jar Group. So the Cookie Jar Group would later be absorbed by DHX, which itself was the merger of Decode and the Halifax Film Company. Holy shit. (laughs) Right? Just like the world of like Canadian media acquisitions and mergers is wild. Yeah. So three years after that acquisition, he left to form Hirsch Ezrin Entertainment with Bob Ezrin, who was a um, music producer and keyboardist who worked with Lou Reed, Alice Cooper, Kiss, Pink Floyd, Deep Purple, Peter Gabriel, and Fish. What the so fuck? Like, <laughs> yes, absolutely wild. So then their company combined with 
<laughs> I know. Their company combined with Frederator, who have work credits for Adventure Time, Bravest Warriors, and some other Cartoon Network shows. So then once they were combined, they were purchased by Rainmaker Studios in Vancouver, who are the producers of Reboot, and also all of the Barbie movies. Oh my god! So that holding company was then branded as WoW Unlimited Media, where Michael Hirsch was named CEO and chairman. Damn right it's unlimited. Like, how many <laughs> different companies are in this thing? That's wild! Yeah, so it was like this absolute rabbit hole of, like, Canadian media mergers. Jeez. Like, it's, it's amazing to see how everything's connected. So that's really cool. So he was a producer on the show. Nice. Um, getting to the cast, this voice cast is loaded. <laughs> I bet there's a lot of Sailor Moon people in it. Well, it's it's got a lot of, um, at, at least to me, notable names, including um, Alicia Silverstone as Sharon Spitz. I'm sorry, the what? Char- the main character is voiced by Alicia Silverstone. That's insane. In season three, she was replaced by Stacey DePass, who we know as Nikki from 16. Nice. But it's very weird. Like, I, I watched some clips from season three to hear Stacey DePass being anything but, like, snarky Nikki and doing, like, this kind of, like, Al- Alicia Silverstone as the character impression. <laughs> Other notable actors in the cast include Daniel Petronovic, Michael Sarah, What? Peter Oldring, Emily Hampshire, and Katie Griffin and Vince Carrazza. That's an incredible cast. Right? Oh my god, so many like Canadian heroes in there. Yeah. Emily I mean, Hampshire, Peter Waldring, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. And of course, the, you've got your Sailor Moon connections, Katie oh, Griffin yeah. and Vince Carrazza. Yes. Whenever I think of Vince Carrazza, I just think of that time he was the music producer in the Cheetah Girls. That's what I was going to say. That's the most important credit that I have listed. Yes. He was the jackal in the Cheetah Girls, baby. Yeah. So getting into the kind of synopsis um, background of the show, the show itself is set in Elkford, British Columbia, which is like a super small town, like right by the border between BC and Alberta. It's by the Rockies. Wait, it's Um, a real city? Yeah, it's a real place. Ah. Um, According to their Wikipedia page, their elementary and secondary schools, there's like one of each and they have a combined 400 students. Oh my God. It's very small. The Wikipedia page also lists like the radio and cable channels it has available. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a very small place. <laughs> so um, the synopsis of the show. Sharon Spitz is a junior high student with braces that get in the way of leading a normal teenage life. Her braces are somehow electrically charged at all times, giving her strange abilities such as remotely operating machinery, tapping into wireless communication channels, and even discharging electricity directly into what's in front of her though much of these abilities are often outside of her control. In the first season, she is enrolled at Mary Pickford Junior High, but later the show progresses into Sharon going into high school, which is like a very interesting school name choice. Yeah, Canada's sweetheart. Yeah, she was like one of the OG like film stars. She received the um, second ever Academy Award for Best Actress. She founded movie studios. She was a founding member of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. Yeah. Like, just like a wild little little nod in there that I really liked. That's very cool. Also, I like the, like, it's it's rare that you have, like, characters age on an animated show. Yeah, <laughs> like, to go into a different school. I thought that was really interesting, too. Yeah. Like, the fact that she, like, fully goes, like, grows up and goes into a new school. And she still has her braces for, like, three years. <laughs> oh, that's rough. Oh, no. Oh, no. 
Get a better um, orthodontist. I don't remember watching this a lot as a kid. I probably watched some episodes here and there. But I do remember the theme song because the theme song slaps. Great thing. My luck is complicated. Boyfriend. So the theme was made by Grayson Matthews, Inc. And it was sung by Angela Schiff. Um, I could be pronouncing that last name wrong. She is from the Netherlands and is largely an actress. This was like, as far as I can tell, like a weird one-off kind of music credit. That's wild. Um, so here's the thing. Like I said, I didn't really watch the show. So I didn't really know what to expect, like going into the plots of the show. And it's kind of buck wild. Um, oh, yeah. It, it deals with like a lot of things that I don't think you saw like directly talked about in kids TV. Um, so she has divorced parents. Her dad is like a um, he was in a band that's traveling and she's kind of dealing with like her divorced parents starting to date other people and kind of like accepting her mom's boyfriend. And there's like plots like that. Um, early in the show, Sharon becomes a vegetarian after seeing the poor conditions at a meat packing plant. After she like works there for a day, she decides to become a vegetarian. And then after that has lots of plot points surrounding animal issues. Um, she becomes interested in being a vet. And like, it, it becomes like a thing that's not just like a one-off thing. It's like, she's very like animal rights focused, which is very interesting. That's um, cool. They even get into like, she later has some health issues and is found to be anemic because she's not getting enough iron from not eating meat. So she has this moral dilemma over being told to eat meat again. Like very kind of like a nuanced thing yeah. to have in this show. I mean, this ran from 2001 to 2004. So I was like at most eight while this was airing. Mm-hmm. Not to say that I couldn't have seen it in syndication, but like this this was on and kids were watching this. Um, there's an episode where she gets her first period while she's on a date with a guy, which is something you don't see that in like kids TV. Like no I don't kidding. think they even did that in like Liz McGuire and like things that are supposed to be like, I'm growing up and things are yeah. changing. Like that's, that's a very interesting plot line to have. Um, she uh, gets drunk at a party. Oh my God. Yeah. And I think, no, I don't think it's even a party. I think she's like out visiting her dad and she's hanging out with like some of his bandmates and like a grown ass man gives her like a rum and Coke and she gets drunk. Wow. So like, I'm looking for clips of the show and this was like, one of the first ones that like I clicked on and this is like part two of an episode right so this is like presumably like I don't know 10 minutes into the episode and this is like the first bit of dialogue that I get Maria be right was my grampy racist and if I was defending him deep down did I have the same prejudices basically there's like this um Arabic boy in their school who's nicknamed Cloud, but like him and Maria, who's like Sharon's best friend, are playing basketball outside their house. He like he introduces himself to um Sharon's grandpa because he like comes outside while they're playing basketball and he says his name is Cloud and he's like, oh that that's a stupid name. He's like, oh it's, it's just a nickname. My real name's Muhammad. And the grandpa's like, ah, do you have a harem? Oh no, grandpa. You a can't real, say that. A real thing said in the show. Ah, so he makes like a bunch of like Arabic jokes and um, Maria's best friend is half Chinese and he makes like jokes about her being a bad driver. Oh no, grandpa. It's really bad. So like this whole episode is Sharon trying to figure out if racism can be genetic because she doesn't want to be like, like her grandpa. Um, And like she gets into like this whole like thing with her mom and it's actually kind of like, 
I was surprised by how nuanced a lot of the takes in the show were. Like, I didn't realize the plot lines that it had in it. Cause she gets into this argument with her mom and being, and her mom's like, well, your, your grandpa doesn't need to be offensive and I love him and all of this stuff. And Sharon's like, that's not a good enough reason to not call him out. And I'm like, yeah. wow, actual conversation. Yeah. Great. Wow. Like, there's a plot line where she accidentally watches porn. <laughs> I think I just found a different red riding hood from the one I remember. What, she's wearing pigtails instead of braids? Not exactly. This red riding hood has matured in a lot of places. How wild is that? Yeah. So there's also a very close to canon gay character in the show. Oh. His name is Dion, which is a nickname based off of Celine Dion, because that's his his favorite person. Nice. He's a fashion designer. So he's a bit of a caricature. Right. But but also like they don't say that he's gay in the show. They come very close to it. But there is a plot line where she tries to set him up with another guy because she thinks they would be cute together. So it's like a very casually openly gay character in the show. And I tried to look for like backlash, but I couldn't find any related to that, which I found very interesting for this wow. being like early 2000s kid show. Yeah, that is cool. First of all, you're half Jewish, half wasp. Your best friend's a Chinese Italian mix. Brock's black and I'm adorable. Absolutely wild, the stuff that they had in this show. Yeah, you know? that is cool. I never knew that about this show. I didn't really, you know, remember much about the show except what the main character looked like. So it's it's very interesting, like the conversations that they have and yeah, like themes that I, I don't remember seeing in any other kids show at the time. So yeah, like no kidding. very bold takes. And I actually ended up like watching a few episodes um, just kind of for fun while researching this. Um, cool. And it's it's good. It's fun. I like it. The only like instance of controversy or backlash that I could find like from any of these episodes, there was one episode that was banned or edited in some countries. It was called Busted, where Sharon gets insecure about her chest size and gets inflatable boobs. Ah, that's a thing that exists. <laughs> that's a thing that exists. Um, you better believe there's a change.org petition. Oh my gosh. Yay. The description for this says, Brace Face is a cartoon that relates to many teenagers' life and many have grown with it. Many want the show back. It inspires many. Brace Face... <laughs> <laughs> How many? So many. Braceface is a teenager who faces through adolescence trials and tribulations of school. Um, this petition is closed. Unfortunately, you can't add to it. It did have 23 signatures. Nice. Um, you know, it's got a few comments. One of them says, everyone agrees about bringing the show back and continuing the show with season four on. Apparently, everybody's everyone. on the same page. We're all Absolutely there. everyone. Many, and then, many and then everyone. <laughs> many everyone. And then there's one comment that just says, this is not a real ending. <laughs> this um, is not a real ending. This is not a real ending. So got some reviews. This is from a 13-year-old. They say, I have never seen this show, but I have heard the theme song, and that lays everything out perfectly. Let me drop some lyrics on you. Brace face. My life is complicated. Boyfriends don't want to talk about it. Teenage. It all works out in the end. I can't forgive it. Even if this was the best show ever, it would still get a low rating just for that. I'm giving it two stars just because I know it's stupid to review a show without seeing it. But my God, in brief, the show who made the theme should be fired. <laughs> oh, my God. It went off. I don't agree. How how impassioned do you have to be about the, your hatred of the song to like, I'm going to leave a review for something I've That's never seen. That's a lot. Wow. 
I've got some from IMDb as well. This one's wild. The The title of this IMDb review is, What do you want? The Catcher in the Rye? <laughs> Come what? on, settle down. What's the problem? I haven't seen this allergic reaction to a kid's series since Scrappy-Doo debuted. So, Sharon Spitz is a tad self-absorbed in her own problems. So, what adolescent isn't self-absorbed to some degree? I think what Flaming Pig and Co. forget is that just about all fictional young teens, from Holden Caulfield to our hero in A Christmas Story, from Luann de Groot to Veronica Gans, a six-foot-tall 13-year-old, try that on for size, from a young narrator in April Morning to the ever-so-sensitive Daria Morgendorfer, Young teens are always going to impress their worldview with their own, not-so-original growing pains. The only time that youth grows up quickly is through forced change, such as April Morning or Barbara Tuckman's A Distant Mirror. Should, sh- <laughs> this is so dumb. Should Sharon Spitz emulate Claire Danes' character in the darkly comic all-too-brief show My So-Called Life? Hey, how about letting Sharon and her pals emulate the sociopathic little no-nug amateur <laughs> vivisectionists of Yukio Mishima's The Sailor Who Fell From Grace with the Sea? Okay, Jesus okay. Christ! Maybe I'm reading too much into this. It couldn't be that it's too Canadian because it's from Nelvana? I have observed many times a negative reaction to anything Nelvana among certain people. Or maybe it's the not-so-subtle after-school special feel of many episodes. But... Is this really a bad thing? It's a show about teens, so why not teen problems? Besides, the title is, after all, Brace Face. What happens once the braces come off for good? Think about it. What the fuck? <laughs> oh my god. Wow. Well, we found the, the eminent expert on young adult protagonists, I yes. guess. Oh, that's insane. <laughs> One more. Uh, this one says, oh man, this show sucks. It doesn't even live up to its title. She gets braces in the first one, and just one little thing happens in every episode with her braces that doesn't affect the storyline at all. A locker door will slam on her face because of braces in the middle of the show. She won't notice it. Nothing happens constantly. Now, I also have braces. I'm 16. And yes, they stink. But if you name a show Brace Face, you should make a half-decent show about braces and why they suck. They have too many stupid teen or preteen reality shows. Almost all of them suck. This show has no storyline, bad acting, a nerd who is supposed to be a nerd but acts like a moron and just says stuff like, I'm allergic to this, blah, 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 blah. In short, horrible. <laughs> Kill it now. Rating negative 56 out of 10. Uh, I really love that this kid wanted to like watch a show about how much braces suck. Like, <laughs> so that they could feel worse about their own braces? I don't yeah. understand. Sammy, would you have wanted a show about how bad braces were? No. I you already knew. I already knew. I didn't need no show to show me that. I already knew. I already know about the races. Uh, what's the deal with races? <laughs> I already knew. I already knew about the races. <laughs> it's it's scary how much better your Seinfeld impression has gotten while you've been isolated. And it makes me think that that's how you've been spending your time. Oh, no. I have no comment. So that's Brace Face. A wild show that I I kind of like regret not watching as a kid because those yeah. plot lines that's stuff that you don't see elsewhere and yeah. it's, it came from some some cool people including Michael Hirsch who's incredibly influential on the whole Canadian kids media scene. So wrapping up the six degrees of RFR for the show, Dan Petronievic 
hopefully I'm saying that right. There's a lot of names I'm not pronouncing the show. Um, he voiced Sharon's brother, Adam. Uh, you may know him as Mick Murray in Letterkenny. <gasps> what? Yeah. That's amazing. So that's fun. Um, he was also in Jet Jackson, the movie, which was based off the show, the famous Jet Jackson. And yeah. who had a guest spot in that series? Let's guess. Is it Alan McAdam? Nope. Oh, uh, Kate Todd? Nope. Nathan Stevenson? Nope. Well, it's not Nathan Carter. Oh, are you sure? Because it's Nathan Carter, baby. <gasps> oh, really? Yes. Amazing. I did not think we would get a Nathan Carter connection, but there yeah. is a Nathan Carter connection, which is super fun. I, I, I honestly didn't know he did much outside of RFR. Oh, I'm not saying he did much. I'm saying yeah. he had a guest spot in the show. <laughs> and then RFR, and then that's pretty much it. First of all, Ed, your opening was completely flat. And Ted... That wasn't harmonizing, that was singing off key. Robbie's rehearsing with Ed and Ted, and he's really being a bit of a drill sergeant, basically telling them that they're horrible, <laughs> and they're having a rough time. They're clearly not having fun anymore. Robbie being controlling? Imagine. <laughs> Who knew? Ah, oh, I love that we get this little, tiny little musical interlude because Ed and Ted want to take a break, and Robbie's like, did NSYNC take a break? And we get this little boy band chorus like, oh, no. Oh no. It's so good. It's it's so good. Like the the kind of sound design of this episode especially is super yeah. fun because they have all of these kind of like boy band style stings for when they go in and out of these scenes particularly. Why should someone be judged for liking something that people think you shouldn't? Robbie's kind of grappling with his issues with boy band stuff on the air back in RFR. Robbie's talking about how it's really hard to like things and people might judge you and blah, blah, blah. And miscommunication comes out with the sassy remarks. Like Robbie's trying to have a genuine moment, but Missy is doing the sassy thing. And Ray ends up doing an impression of Smog and basically just dunking on Smog. Like and talking about him as if he's not in the room. Yeah. The only thing I know for sure when Smog is droning on is that the fun has left the building. Isn't that right, Missy? Okay. Not only is he right there, but to like somebody listening in the audience, it's not like they would think Smog isn't there. Yeah. They just think he's not talking. Oh like, my God. that sucks. Yeah, and then he like drives the stake into Travis's heart by saying, isn't that right, Missy? Oh my God. And he has to like kind of agree with it and just go, Okay. It's just the, so sad. the saddest little the saddest okay. Ah. Oh, little little Travis is just trying to put himself out there. Lily and Travis have another little thinly veiled conversation about CDs, where Lily mentions she's not going to be at the show that day because she needs to get back an old CD at Mickey's. That you know, well, she had a new CD that was kind of fresh and interesting and stuff. The old CD was a lot better and Travis kind of does his like sort of little squinting thinking face and he's like yeah I know what you mean so and we we leave Travis sort of contemplating as Lily leaves and then we go to Mickey's <laughs> and we see a beautiful poster for Entropy the Ed and Ted boy band oh it's so good of just the two of them looking off into the distance with like just like the most late 90s early 2000s ass typography it's got like a little glow effect around it yeah it's very xenon it's great very this is like so xenon ed and ted swagger in pointing yeah. at the posters trying to act cool with mickey 
Ted's calling him dog. He goes like for a handshake or a high five. And then when Mickey doesn't respond, he like swipes his hand through his hair. (laughs) So smooth. Yeah, it's kind of like doing this like mafia thing, but then he's not. And like, yeah, it's very silly. They're asking Mickey about their dressing room and their rider. They're just living their full boy band fantasy. And Mickey's just like, Mickey's over it. He does not want to deal with them requesting about the foot candles of the, the lights because of Ted's sensitive retinas. Yeah, I feel like Mickey really doesn't like his core demographic. Things <laughs> <laughs> had to deal with a lot of shit. Mickey yeah. likes Robbie and Lily, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's always yelling at everybody to like not steal things, and that he's watching them. Lily, that's your third. Are you sure you're okay, kid? Mickey, you ever feel like your friend's about to make a really big mistake, but you're just, you're just not sure if you don't have to stop him? So we've got kind of like this faux bar scene of Lily sitting in Mickey's. He's bringing her another drink and saying, Lily, that's your third milkshake. <laughs> and she's been here drinking her sorrows away. Yeah. Chocolate milkshakes. How fast is she drinking those milkshakes? Yeah, my God. How much time has it been? Yeah. Even even if you can handle your lactose, like that's too much too fast. But she's kind of anxiously waiting for the RFR broadcast to see what decision Travis makes of whether he comes clean about being Missy or not. So now that I have your attention, I think it's time to tell you all that... This sassy sister is actually... Smog. How great would it have been if when he turned the pitch control back down, he just kept going? Yeah. (laughs) He came up with a new persona. (laughs) The boys are having this conversation about being genuine and being heard on the air. And Ray ends up quoting Travis back to him. And that that kind of spurs him into deciding that he needs to be... um, honest because that's kind of the whole point of being heard is that he needs to have something real to say and he can't do that while he's not being himself so he reveals that he's missy and uh the show goes on yeah it's it's funny it's kind of a nice little moment from ray where he quotes travis but he definitely wasn't intending for that outcome no (laughs) he wanted to keep this communication going yes he he was not goading travis on the way that lily would have but yeah hey gang it's the time you've all been waiting for, so keep your sticky little fingers off of my merchandise and put your hands together for entropy. So I hate you, and <laughs> here's this shit. This is such a weird thing to share, but I feel like this episode was one of the first times I was like, do boys really have that much armpit hair? There's there's a lot of pitch rub coming from Robbie. But yeah, the, the gang all reconvenes at Mickey's after the broadcast. Uh, Lily and Travis have a little interaction where he jokes about turning Missy into like a whole media franchise. Um, and then they're interrupted by Mickey introducing Entropy. It's Ed and Ted's big debut. Yay! Their song that is really just a verse and a chorus, and that's it. They don't have any other material. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and their boy band ensembles are so good. They've got, like, askew hats and sunglasses. And and those headset microphones. Oh, my God, yeah. But they fumble it immediately. Oh, it's so bad. As soon as they start singing, they're offbeat, they're nervous. 
And Aww. Robbie's watching along and he can't let them suffer. So he runs up there and he <laughs> takes off his like button up shirt to just be in like a wife beater and dances and sings along with them. And they get it together by the end. And all of his friends cheer him on, and it's it's nice. Yeah, it's just, it's such a good episode all around. You got a couple of really fun plots. Some some fun Travis dynamic, and uh, him very clearly still trying to find his, his footing in the group. But also just, God, I love Ed and Ted. I'm so glad we're I back. Know. We had a real Ed and Ted drought for a good string of episodes. And yeah. between this and Call of the Cougar, we get some really good Ed and Ted moments. Yeah, we've, you know, RFR has such a, good cast of supporting characters in Ed and Ted and Kim Carlisle and, and Waller and Mickey. It's just it's just great. We love him. <laughs> I yes. hate you all. Here's the show. I hate you all. Now watch this show. I hate them too. Wonder about puberty when this muscly teen with armpit hair comes up all of a sudden. Yep. Robbie's got a lot of muscle. Yeah. This was definitely an episode that gets burned into my brain because teen me was like Boys? <laughs> boy look like that? Boy look like that? That can be boy? Can this be boy? What boy is this? What boy is this? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so that's uh, Girl Talk Radio. Take us over to Mickey's Discs, Jody. So Girl Talk Radio features You Not Doing Nothing by Mike Church, I've Got Spies by The Carnations, my Decision by the Planet Smashers, surprise, surprise. <laughs> Made in the Shade by Vibrolux, Fabricated by the Planet Smashers, surprise, surprise. And You by Beautiful. Yeah, so much Planet Smashers, and we got the Carnations again. But the only song we can really talk about from this episode, though, is You're So Collectible Girl by Entropy. You're just like a bird in the original rapping. You're so collectible, girl. Oh, it's, it's truly incredible. It's it's an earworm, honestly. It's very catchy. You make my and knees weak and my energy like, sapping. You're just like a Boba Fett in the original rapping. You're so collectible, girl. Now I, I kind of want to learn the dance. Oh, my God. I mean, we got time. We all got to stay active, right? Yeah, exactly. Add that to the list of self-isolation activities. <laughs> <laughs> learn obscure dances from obscure canadian teen tv why not <laughs> follow along send us your videos of doing ed and ted's you're so collectible girl boy band dance uh bonus points if you can somehow get a headset microphone or a janitor jumpsuit ted style yes one that says ent in quotes and with a period or you could go the robbie route and just wear a gray wife feeder or or a george jacket so I think that about does it for episode 15 of Radio Free Roscoe and a podcast for Roscoe. Indeed it does. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcast Free Roscoe or on Twitter at Pod Free Roscoe. If you'd like to call into the show or just send us a message, you can email us at podcastfreeroscoe at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you guys because we know we're not the only ones who like this stuff. We know other people listen to the podcast, so <laughs> other than our parents. So please call us, you cowards. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, this is Podcast Free Roscoe signing off. <laughs>